Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Donna, for those of you that don't know me, and we're going to be reading Ephesians 6, um, 10 through 19. The final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against the wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in times of evil so that after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the word Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for Christians everywhere. And pray for me, too, and ask God to give the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles, too. Amen. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Well, I know as I was talking to Donna, she, she expressed her apprehension for that, and then we tested you by having a mic problem, so, you know. But Donna, you did a, did a great job. Thank you for doing that. And I tell you, I, I continue to enjoy that because I think one, worship is about all of us coming together. And so also getting to meet different people and as they read scripture and participate in that. But if I haven't asked you yet, just get ready. Uh, your, your turn might be coming. But one of the things in, in having courage in doing this, and, and I try to make sure, is that you have time to prepare. You get some time to prepare. And so in asking Donna, she was praying, she was reading, she was practicing. And that's a good thing. Because in in life, things generally go a lot better when we prepare for them, when we get ourselves ready. And so one of the things that's important to me in helping me prepare for whatever I might face, I'll tell you honestly, 
is my backpack. And I, I don't know if you, any of you all remember that Dora the Explorer. Remember that old cartoon? Backpack. You know, anyway, th this is my backpack. I don't know how long I've had this backpack. Has a couple years, maybe. Um, I spent a lot of time researching on Amazon because there were things I wanted. Okay? For example, it, in, it's got, one, a lot of pockets. And this back pocket is actually padded. So I can take my tablet, and it's safe. I'm good. Okay? I always got crackers in here. Okay, you, you don't want to get hangry with anyone, you know what I'm saying, you need that. Um, little pocket in here, you all know, um, I, I drank the, the, the fake water with the flavor, and I got those in here. Um, you never know when you might need a breath mint, I got that in here. Uh, I'm telling you, this backpack is what I use to think about what's going to happen in that moment, where am I going, and to make sure I'm prepared. Because I want to be, because you don't necessarily know what's coming at you. But see, I think Paul had that same idea. And as he was writing Ephesians 6, I think that's part of what he was thinking is how can we prepare? Because the fact is, there's an unseen battle. It's a daily battle. It's unseen. But how can we pre prepare for it? And how can we make sure that either we need to be prepared so we don't pretend we're in the battle? Because we want to, want to be prepared for the battle, not pretend we're in the battle. And so as we dig into Ephesians 6, we're going to see some of the things that God has given us to help us prepare for this unseen battle. But before we dig into that, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to come before you. I thank you for your word. Your word is life because it comes from you. And Jesus, you said you are the bread of life. You feed and nourish our souls. And you satisfy us at the soul level in a way that nothing else can. But even as we have you. We understand, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, there's an enemy. There's an enemy we have who wants to do everything he can to disrupt and ultimately destroy. And so I pray that you would help us to be prepared. There's a battle we're facing. And so as we dig into this, Holy Spirit, please speak. Please illuminate our minds that we might comprehend and understand. Give us ears to hear, hearts that are open to respond in however you lead us. But I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we dig into Ephesians 6 a little more, I want, want to remind you, first of all, and some background is the fact that Paul is in prison. Paul's in prison writing this. And so most likely every day he's watching these Roman soldiers. He's seeing them. He's seen the tools that they use. He's seen the weapons that they have and the fact that they are carrying and prepared for battle. And he's watching them every single day. And I think in that moment, the Holy Spirit just begins to move and put together in his mind as he pens these words, what we need because there's an unseen battle. There are weapons that we need to put on to make sure we're prepared for the fight. And so beginning in verse 13, Paul says, therefore. And every time you see a therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is that there for? It's an important thing. There's a transition going on. But he says, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. We've got to put this armor on. He says, put on. The ESV says, take up. And the idea here is that there's a need for some decisive action. This is not a place for you and I to be passive. It's not a place for you and I to think, well... Yeah, maybe I'll dig in sometime, or maybe I'll participate. 
Right now, I'm just going to be on the sidelines. I'm going to watch. That's not how this battle works. You're in it. But see, how you view the battle, if you're thinking, well, I'm not really there, see, that's exactly where the enemy wants you. Because if you think you're not in the battle, he's already winning. But we've got to put on, we've got to take up, and that means you've got to choose this. You've got to put in some effort. See, the beautiful and amazing thing is salvation in that comes through Jesus is based upon everything that Jesus does. But there is a response of man where we choose to follow. There is a response of man that I'm going to do what you say as your word tells me to spend time with you, as your word tells me the people who love you are the ones who obey your teaching, that I'm going to choose to do so, that I'm going to put in the effort. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us. Put on, take up this armor, make this decision every single day that you're going to do this. Because only then will you be able to resist the enemy. And so we talked about the enemy a couple of weeks ago. This one who is known by many names, Satan, the devil, the accuser, the destroyer. And that's his whole goal. But also, if he can get us to where we don't even look at the weapons that God has given us. We don't look at the armor. If we don't take it up and put it on, we're going to be easy for him to take us out. But there's something very important in the order that is given. And so as we begin to walk through, and over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this armor. But the order is particularly important. So Paul begins in verse 14 with the belt of truth. He begins with the belt of truth. The beginning of verse 14 says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. And see, again, he repeats, and you've got to pay attention as you're reading God's word, what is repeated. If you've spent any time around children, you have probably repeated yourself more times than you want to. But as a reminder to get through to us, there's an importance going on here when it's repeated. And so again, he says, put on. And so yes, it's a decisive action, but it's also the idea of being ready, being prepared. In the same way that I grab my backpack and I think about my day, what am I going to need? Oh, put a water bottle on the side. Get all these things together. Let's go. So I'm ready for what is coming at me. But it's also the idea that there's a consistency to this. There's a daily approach. This isn't just one time and I got it. We've got to daily put on the armor. But see, when it comes to this first one, the belt, there's an active part that you and I play. And when I get ready in the morning, I've got different belts in my closet. I don't just kind of think. I hope that kind of gets on my pants. Maybe if I was a magician, it might work, but it doesn't work that way. I've got to grab with my hands and start to do something. In the same way, we have to take action. But notice this belt. It's not just any old kind of belt. It says the belt of truth. And we understand that as Paul was looking at the Roman soldier, he's using a metaphor. He's saying this is like, it's similar to. What's interesting is the New American Standard says, girded your loins with truth. And we might think of a girdle, but otherwise this kind of isn't our phrasing that we would use. But the idea is from the ribs to the pelvis, this area. Okay. Okay. You need to put this belt on. And their belt would have been thick would have been thick and it would have been heavy. And there would have been a piece, especially for the males, that went right down in front of you. And I understand all the guys are going, oh yeah, please protect that, okay? All right? But that belt is important. 
But I want you to think about when he says truth, what is he talking about? Because I think that's an issue in our world today. What is truth? Because a lot of the narrative that is put forth, well, truth is whatever you say it is. It's your truth. It's your story. And we understand that we all do have a story. And there's a uniqueness to our story. But there's a bigger story that is outside of us. And I like the idea when we say history, it's really his story. And that his story that I'm referring to is God. You see, there is an objective truth. I mean, you, do you ever wonder why when people see something of injustice that they get angry? There's something that within us, we get stirred when we see people being abused and oppressed. That's because we're made in the image of God. And our God is a just God. And when we see injustice, it, it does something in us. It stirs in us because there is someone who is outside of us who has created a standard of truth that never changes. And see, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And see, the hard thing for people is Jesus is making an exclusive claim. He's saying, I'm it. I'm not a way, I'm the way. So all these other ideas and belief systems on it, no, I'm it. And see, it's not the idea that we say, well, because we're Baptist, we got it right, or because we're Methodist or whatever it may be. No, we say because we believe in Jesus, we've got it right. And that's what matters. And so the idea here is when we put on this belt of truth, what we're saying is we're putting on the truth of Jesus. This is girding us because this is the first piece of armor. This is our foundation by which everything else is determined. But if we don't put this on, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. And I want you to think about, I mean, I, thankfully I'm wearing a belt, but I got another one because I'm prepared. I wanted to bring that. I, I, for some reason, I don't know why, and maybe some of the guys understand, I've gotten into what are called ratchet belts. And I don't know if you kind of understand these. They've got a lot more spots on them. Because I always found with a buckle, I was always right in between the two holes. And I don't know if the guys know what I'm saying. Like you go, that's too loose. Oh, that's too tight. You know, you're right in between. And I like the ratchet belt a lot better because I can cinch this up. But notice when you put a belt on, that belt goes all the way around you. It goes all the way around. And see, that's part of the idea and what Paul, I believe, is trying to say. When it comes to truth, it needs to be surrounding you. It needs to be covering you completely. But see, the idea as well is this is an important tool. It's an important tool in a soldier's arsenal. Oops. It always does that. But see, when you've got that around you, what happens then is when things come at you that are not truth, you know it. And see, this is what Ephesians 4, verse 14, Paul was talking about a couple chapters earlier. He says, then you will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So clever that they sound like the truth. See, and that's the thing. A lot of the, the truth that is out there today, well, God is love. God loves everybody. And you know what? That's a true statement. God is love. God does love everybody, but God is also holy. God is also just, and he's completely consistent with himself. And so when we try to say that because of God's love, we can do whatever we want, we don't understand who God is. We don't understand that he is a holy and just God as well. 
And see, oftentimes, I think a parent will understand, there are moments when you love your kids in a way that your kids feel like it hurts. But you know, as a parent, sometimes that's the best thing for them. And I believe God does the same thing. There are times he tells us no. There are times God says, this is the direction you need to go. When you ask for something in prayer, God says, no, I'm not giving that to you because I know that's not the best thing for you. And so again, when we try to make up ideas of what we think truth is, if we are not girded with the belt of truth and with Jesus, and see what that comes down to is not just knowledge of Jesus and knowledge of what Jesus has said, you have experienced Jesus. And see, it's one thing if you take anybody in this room and you describe them to us. If I spent time talking to Greg and he would tell me about Johnny, 40 years today, congratulations. Praise God. But see, if I spent time talking to Greg, all I would have of Johnny is knowledge. But if I never had met Johnny, then I'm missing out on understanding who she is and the wonderful lady God has made her to be. And see, that's what often happens. A lot of times people have knowledge of Jesus, who he is. Oh, he's a great teacher. He performed miracles. He did stuff. But have you ever experienced Jesus? Have you ever said, Jesus, I I can't do this anymore on my own. I'm, I'm surrendering. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again. And I believe you have a life that you want me to leave, live, and that's following you. See, that's experience. And that's what we need. Now, we need the knowledge to understand more of who he is when the two go together. But if you have knowledge and no experience, I wonder, do you have a relationship? And see, it's a scary thing because we have a lot of people who claim to know Jesus, but their life has no evidence And that's a scary place to be. If you say you believe in Jesus, but your life shows no change, there is no desire within your heart to get to know Jesus better, to follow him, that ought to scare you. Because there are many people, as Jesus said, on the day when I return, that will say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me. I don't know you. And that's a scary place to be. The Bible calls it fruit. Is your life producing fruit? Are there things going on? And I'm not saying that's a perfect walk, because it's not. None of us are. But there is a striving. There is a desire. Jesus, I want more of you. And see, we need to ask that question of ourselves. You see, you can look at all the tools. You can look at all the things. You can try to be prepared. But if you're trying to walk through this life without Jesus, it's worthless. It's going to be worthless. But see, when you come to know Jesus and you begin to get yourself wrapped with him and the truth of who he is, and you open his word and you understand more of what Jesus wants for you, see, that's going to surround you. Your loins are going to be girded. You're going to be prepared for what's coming. But see, it's important that we start with truth because if you think about a Roman soldier, that belt did a lot of things. That belt would, one, hold their sword. That belt would hold the rations that they would have. That belt did a lot of things, and it even held the next piece of armor that we're going to look at in place. And so as Paul continues on in verse 14, he talks about the belt of truth, but he says the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14, he said, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So as I read, it said body armor. For some of you, it says the breastplate of righteousness. But see, part of the reason you might say, well, shouldn't I have put that on first? No, because the belt actually holds the breastplate in place, keeps it in place where it needs to be. 
And so as you put that on, I've got this little vest. I don't wear this very often, but I thought it, thought it might help a little bit. You can see as you think about a breastplate, it's going to cover you. Think about the organs you're covering. Think about the things that you're protecting. There are vital organs here. One of the most vital is your heart. Is your heart. You can see part of this battle that's going on, what the enemy wants to do, is the enemy wants to go after your heart. And see, Proverbs tells us in chapter 4, verse 23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. So we got to be careful of what's going on in here. But see, for us, the idea is a breastplate for a soldier would probably have been woven of metal. And the idea that it's going to protect maybe spear, sword, whatever's coming at you, arrow. But for us, it's not metal. It's a breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. And the idea of being righteous is to be free from guilt or sin. Free from guilt or sin. I can't tell you how much I've seen and had conversations with people in the operation of their life as they operate from guilt. They operate from guilt. And there's something unique to me that I feel like in some ways this tends to fall more towards our ladies. And I'm not sure why that is. But I think a lot of times, especially the idea you've got to be a certain way, you've got to act a certain way, and make sure everybody's pleased with what you do. See, there's only one person you need to please. His name is Jesus. And as long as you're pleasing him, that's what you ought to be concerned with. See, guilt is a tactic of the enemy. Well, I make you feel guilty, you get to do something. No, I want to do something because Jesus is leading me to do that. I want to do something because I'm following what Jesus has said. Because in life, guess what? You're not going to make everybody happy. Have y'all figured that out already? I, th- I think you have. I wish it were true, but it doesn't happen that way. But see, the problem is, if you're going to try and do this by what you think is your righteousness, it's not going to cut it. If you think you're going to be able to white-knuckle it, make it through, and live a moral life that's going to get you somewhere, it's going to fall short. Isaiah's description is filthy rags. That's what Isaiah says. That's what our righteousness is compared to the righteousness of Jesus. See, even in our best day, we don't compare to Jesus. We don't compare to Jesus. And see, that's why this breastplate of righteousness, when you put this on, what we're really talking about is putting on Jesus. See, in 2 Corinthians, Paul, again, writing in chapter 5, verse 21, he said, He made him, so the Father made the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, when you come to know Jesus, what happens now is every time the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus. The idea is we have been clothed as we put on the breastplate. We have righteousness put on us, but it's not ours. Because ours is never enough. But see, the beautiful thing about coming to know Jesus is I don't have to earn anything. Because guess what? You can't anyway. And now I get to walk in freedom and joy knowing that I'm covered. And so we get two kinds of righteousness here. One is we get positional righteousness. My position now as a child of God. Father, excuse me, son or daughter is settled. It's true, it's settled, it's done. Positionally, that's who I am. In the same way, I will always be a son to my father. The same way you will always be a son or daughter to the king. That doesn't change. That doesn't change. That is settled. 
And so the idea of you earning and striving and trying to work and wearing yourself out, thinking you've got to do something for God, forget it. It's done. I don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. And the idea ever that we think sometimes we let God down. You were never holding God up. So let's just set that one aside. I mean, I don't know if it sounds good or not, but God doesn't need you. You need God. But see, the beautiful thing is he lovingly gives that to you. And for those who claim the name of Jesus, get this righteousness. And see, the beautiful thing is we're all creation of God. But the sad thing is we are not all children of God. Only those who have called on the name of Jesus are his children. But see, once you do, you get this righteousness, this positional righteousness. But the next kind of righteousness you get is what we call progressive righteousness. And this is the idea that you are moving and becoming more like Jesus. If you've ever heard the word sanctification, that's what we're talking about. That process of becoming like Jesus. It's that whole phrase, I think, I don't know if it came out of the 80s. What would Jesus do? I like it kind of better. What did Jesus do? He did it. So just look. But the idea of I'm becoming more and more like him. But see, this is where the heart has to be guarded because I've got to every day make a choice. Jesus, I'm following you or I'm following my way. And often it's a split-second decision in those moments. You're driving in the car and the person cuts you off. Ooh, am I going to be like Jesus or is the Satan going to come out? Who's it going to be? And I know sometimes, you know, we just want to lose it. But see, it's a daily choice we make. And see, we've got to put on the armor, that breastplate, because we've got to guard our hearts. Remember who I am, Jesus, and how I am seen because of what you have done. I belong to you. And part of that means we make sure that as we're guarding our heart, we're not holding on to sin. Especially those little sins, those pet sins. We think, oh, it's not that bad. I'm not hurting anybody. Well, at the very least, you're hurting yourself. But see, again, that's another lie. When you stand before a holy God, there is no little sin. He sees it all. And see, the beautiful thing is when you get it right with him and confess and ask for forgiveness, he says, forgive him. And actually, Jesus already paid for it on the cross. And oftentimes what we're doing is we're we're just putting Jesus back on the cross. Jesus already died for it. Don't walk in guilt. Don't walk in the shame. Again, that's the enemy's tactic to get us to do that. But as we continue to move forward in progressive righteousness, knowing my position is settled before God, but I'm going to continue to progress because I want to be more like Jesus. And that's what Philippians 1, 6 is all about. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's faithful. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. And that, that is one of the greatest things anybody can say to you. Hey, there's something different about you. And then you tell them why. Tell them it's Jesus. But see, again, we come back to the same place. You can know about these weapons. You can know about the belt. You can know about the breastplate. But if you don't put it on, what good is it? I mean, think about your pants. Okay, Depending upon the size of your pants, okay, you might be sagging, which some people today like that. Me, not so much. But without a belt, that's what happens. And I'm telling you, right now, I've got my phone over here. I've got the mic thing over here. I've got all this stuff. Without a belt, I'm holding nothing. 
Imagine me walking around with all their stuff in my hands. That, but see, that's what we're trying to do sometimes as believers. You're following Jesus. You're trying to hold things up. And God's saying, I got you taken care of. You need to put it on. Part of the reason we put it on, and if you'll notice, Paul says this over and over again, is so you can stand firm. Stand firm. And please understand me as I say this. It doesn't mean you have to know every single thing that's in the Bible. I don't know anybody who does except Jesus. But I pray you're growing in it. I pray you're learning. And I pray you're asking hard questions. Those things are okay. But see, notice that the idea of standing firm is you're, you're settled. You are settled there. Bobby, can you come up here a second? I just thought of something. So I'm always at it. Bobby's just on the front row. There, there's this game I remember, and I, I thought about this before and I forgot. I was a little scared of playing this game with Bobby because Bobby's stronger than me. So you've got to come a little closer. But I remember this game when we were younger. You, you would stand like this, okay, put your hands out. And the idea is you've got to push the other person over, okay. So if you move, okay, okay, then you can knock the other person over, okay. Now, what often happens is the other person goes for a big push and you move out of the way and then they fall, Okay. And see, thank you, Bobby. Because I think part of what's happening is we're standing there and the enemy is pushing on us, pushing on us all the time. Okay? But see, part of it is that foundation, that truth. Am I settled? Am I settled? Paul keeps saying, stand firm. But see, if you don't know what you're standing for, you're not going to stand firm. Because I like the old phrase, you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And are we going to stand for Jesus? Are we going to stand on the truth? And make sure I'm settled. I've got, I've got my position. I belong to Jesus. Doesn't matter what you say. I'm his. Doesn't matter what you do. I'm his. And even if things come at me physically, heaven's waiting. That's why Paul could say, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm good either way. Doesn't matter what you do to me. I know who I belong to. But again, if we don't put this on, we don't put the belt on, then the these things are all over the place. If we don't have the breastplate on, we are an open target for our heart and the other things that are coming at us. And see, that's often when I think we try to live in our power. Well, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do all the good things. I'm going to try and serve. And that's not what Jesus wants in you. He wants your heart. Give him your heart. He'll take care of the rest. Because see, often what happens is I think we're kind of pretending. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to get us. He wants us to pretend, and, and we think we're in the fight. You see, when you pretend you're in the fight, you're probably getting beat up. Pretending is not where you want to be. And I'll never forget when my kids were little, one of the things, we'd go to like a Chuck E. Cheese, or we'd go to some kind of arcade, and, and those were such a blast. But when they were younger, we didn't have to give them any money. Because the demo of the game was running, so they'd get up there, move the joystick, hit the buttons, they thought they were playing. They were just having a great old time. And I'm like, yeah, it's free. Woo! You know. I'd take the money and go play the games I wanted. No, I'm just, um, actually, I probably did do that. Okay. But see, they're, they're having a great old time. They think they're in the game, and they're not. And see, that's exactly where I think Satan wants to get us. We're pretending we think we're in the battle. He's like, ah, you're on the sideline. I got you. And that's not what God has for us. But see, when you put on the armor, you put on that armor each day with that belt of truth, that blessed prayer, and you begin. I think you will experience what John talked about in 1 John. 1 John 4, he said at the end of this verse, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 
greater is he who is in me. And what he's saying is there's a power there. You take up that armor, you're ready to go, let's go fight. And you will experience that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But see, you got to be prepared. you got to be prepared. And my hope today is that you're prepared and you're not pretending. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have given us the tools. And I pray that you would help us to, to put it on. And Lord, I understand sometimes we, we don't know all of what that means. And we, we need help. We need each other. Lord, I pray that we will come alongside each other and we will grow together. But Lord, that foundation, that truth, anyone in this, in this place, anyone listening, watching who knows Jesus, positionally, they belong to you. God, you call them son and daughter. And that's settled. But Lord, I pray for anyone right now who has not made that decision, that's trying to walk into their own power, that they would realize it just doesn't work. That in this world, there's going to be trouble. And when we walk through this world, Jesus, without you, we get beat up. And that doesn't mean, Jesus, when we follow you, there's not scrapes and bruises and hurts. But what it does mean is we've got you through it all. And there are times you pick us up and carry us. And so I pray, anyone who's never said, Jesus, I need you, today would be that day. And that, Father, they would just run to you, run to you. Because your arms are open wide. You're calling. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning for our invitation, we're going to do it a little bit different. We've got a song. It's called Run to the Father. We haven't sang this song before. The worship team's going to do this one for us. But just the idea, that's what it needs to be. Just run. Run to the Father. There are things we need. Our, our heart needs a surgeon. We need some work done in us. Our righteousness is filthy rags, as Isaiah said. There's some work that needs to be done. So see, when you run to the Father, he walks in you. He says, come on in. So whatever decision you've made, if, you, if we need to pray together, you just want to pray by yourself, the altar, whatever it is, I pray you just run right now. So I'd like for you to stand with me and just you and Jesus, almost like there's nobody else in the room, just you, just bow your head, hear these words, and whatever the Holy Spirit's saying, you respond. Run to him right now.
it all anyway, so those things you're holding on to, he knows it already. He's just waiting for you to lay it down. Waiting for you to say, freedom. Freedom is what I have for you. See, again, that truth. What happens when you come to know the truth, when you come to know Jesus? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom. Freedom. He died so that you and I could be free. Free to love, free to live, free to experience joy, free to let others know who he is. Oh, man. Lord, I pray every day we run to him. Run to him and let's put on that armor and keep running and let other people know who he is. So as you go this week, understand, if the battle hadn't already started, you're not feeling it now, just give it an hour, wait till tomorrow, Tuesday, something may be coming. And I don't say that to be depressing. Say we, we know who already knows what's coming. And see, knowing Jesus knows, okay, he knew it was coming. He's going to be there with you. We just got to put on the armor and he will hold us up. And that's also what we need each other. Sometimes you need to call, call someone and say, hey, pray for me. It's hard. Things are coming at me. That's, God has given us each other, the body. So I pray that as you go this week, go, go in the blessing. Know he's, he's there. He knows it. And the Spirit will guide you and lead you in all of it. And so I pray that you have a blessed week and that we come back and we continue hearing more about this armor. So thank you for being here and joining us for worship. A blessed time. Good to see all your beautiful, wonderful faces this morning. Bobby, I'm going to ask, would you mind closing us in prayer? Thank you. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I, I thank you for how much you bless this congregation. And I pray, Lord, that we can pass that blessing on this community. I pray, Lord, that we, we meet and exceed all the, all the goals that we have for Operation Christmas Child, Lord. And I pray that we just continue to reach out and love on people. In your name, amen.